Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rating Black podcast. This is a podcast focused on uh, Rating Black and uh, all things Massiverse by Kyle Higgins, Marcel Costa, Becca Carey, and Michael Basudo. Today, we're joined by an amazing guest who, honestly, this has been a long time coming again since Supermassive Interview. We've got co-creator and writer of Self Made, co-creator and writer of Inferno Girl Red, and of course, you've heard of him working on the Ultraman comics over at Marvel. Uh, the Mighty Morphin uh, over at Boom, of course. It's Matt Groom. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. It's great to be back and chatting with you guys again, especially for such an auspicious week. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's yeah. fantastic having you here, man. I, mean, I got to say, uh, we, we, we were, I, I was like, we were just been so busy, so we were kind of late in terms of messaging about IGR, but... Uh, Oh my God, I can't wait to get into it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's always kind of been like in the periphery, like Anne and Prone Girl Red, like lingering, like Galactus or something out there. And uh, <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. In a good way, though, because like I was worried mm-hmm. we might have overhyped it. But Bash said it was great when yeah. he first read it. You gave us the copies yesterday, the early release, and I read it. And it, it met expectations. Like it's amazing. Like I, awesome. I thought you, everyone was working on full, like on all cylinders. And to me, it, it was a masterpiece. Like, I, I can't fanboy enough. Uh, Bash, you probably got a question. Thank you so Dude, much. Dude, I, 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 when I saw uh, Yo Yu Yes like post that hardcover on the on the oh, Discord, man. which was we won't talk about it too much, but I was like, <laughs> I was, like face palm. I was happy and like face palming at the same time because I've literally been checking all day long for anything in front of Gold Red, anything, anything. Like I'm just looking because I'm man, I missed that Kickstarter and I've been I've been yeah. We are we are all suckers, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, definitely regret that. So. One. Is that that was just man? I I I just gotta say I I've read it digitally, obviously, because that's how we got the the copies, and I can't mm. wait I can't wait to pick up the physical copy and reread it uh, this Wednesday, because I I told the guys this right away, and I like I don't think it's hyperbole. Of course, I'm I'm speaking for myself. I said right away. I know Matt Groom is a good writer. I read Self Made, so I, I know I know like what to expect in terms of the writing, and it was fantastic. But my God, I thought genuinely it was the best art in the masterpiece. Like the best. It's incredible. (laughs) I, it's, it was part of what has made this wait so hard is knowing that we've been sitting on gold for years and that, like, totally taking myself out of the equation. I purely just mean, like, day after day, I'd get emails from Erica with new pages. And it would take my breath away. And then Igor would come in and totally transform it again. And I'd, I'd be sitting there going, like, this is the best art in superhero comics, I think. Like, yeah. obviously, it's a very subjective thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their preferences. But I was just, I was blown away. And we just had to wait and wait and wait and be like, it's going to be good, guys. I promise it's going to be good. It's coming. It's going to be good. Um, but, yeah, I am so proud of both of them and how they work together and even how, like how they work with Becca. I mean, obviously Becca Gary's a, um, you know, a massive versatile star, but we asked her to sort of like push aside a little bit and sort of like bring a different perspective to it, to match the style of the art. And she did that as well. And I just think page after page of this thing is absolutely stunning visually. And I'm so glad it's, yeah, it's finally out there for people to see. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was, it was exciting for us to see too. And I, I loved, like, I wasn't expecting, um, I guess I should have, cause it was the OGN, but to get all those pages and just to get like that much development right at the start and just kind of learn that much about, about the character right off the bat. So that was just so awesome getting into that world and seeing that. Um, so I, I just want to ask you, like, when did you originally um, know you were doing an OGN or why was that um, the decision of um, at the end? It, that was very much from the start, our intention. Um, because we wanted to make a book that felt like a novel because we wanted to make something that was really accessible. Um, I think <clears throat> part of my frustration in a lot of ways is that there's so much great stuff in superhero comics, but there are a lot of barriers to entry if you are totally fresh to the medium. Uh, I think if you've like, you've gone out and you've seen superhero movies or like shows on TV and you love it, it's a lot to navigate. Uh, and there are like structural things in terms of figuring out how issues work and how they're collected. But there's even just, uh, and I think probably the biggest thing, it's a very different structure because when, if you're doing a good job of writing single issues, then they are a whole story in and of themselves. And when you collect that, it has a very specific feel to it where it is these six stories that combine into one greater thing, but it doesn't feel like a novel, which isn't a bad thing. Like I love writing stories that way. Like when Eduardo and I were working on stuff made part of the joy of it was making sure every issue felt unique, but I wanted to make a novel that felt like a novel in a recognizable way. So people would just understand it straight away and, yeah. and be able to, you know, get into it. Uh, and part of the benefit too, is that you can spend that time. Like if you're doing single issues, you know, especially if you've only got like 20 pages, you have to get to something big and get to that hook and get to a cliffhanger quickly. Whereas in a novel, you can spend the time, you can go 40 pages and establish the world and get people really invested and then ramp it up. Uh, and like, that's not to say one or other path is better, but we just, we felt like that was the, the way we wanted to tell that story, but it's difficult to do. Uh, and that's why we had to go to Kickstarter. And in some ways kind of, not that it's completely unique, but kind of try in a new model for this where we do the OGN, we fund it that way, we release these uh, oversized single issues, which are like more than double size in, in some instances, and then we take a big break until the next novel is ready, um, which may be a terrible idea. I don't know. Um, but it does get us to this result, uh, which I'm I'm happy with the result either way, no matter how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can speak for us all and say we are too. Like it was fan fantastic, man. Really. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've noticed that there's two different universes that we're dealing with here. Um, besides, obviously, the biggest one being No Waffle House and Cassius World, as we learned in, in uh, Supermassive. There, that's a big deal. What are the what are the major changes? The what makes Cassius World so much different than ours that we know? Cassius World is. A little into the future, not necessarily like strictly chronologically, but there's mm. technology that exists there that is a little beyond our own. And there are pockets of this universe where they've made some more progress on things that I think perhaps we would like to make more progress towards in terms of living sustainably, building better mm. cities, uh, taking care of each other a little better. Um and we wanted to create in Apex a place where 
despite all of the challenges of the world at Apex, they were making strides. Like they were starting to build something that felt right, that gave people hope. And that hope was a risk to any entity that might see pinnacles of hope as a challenge or a problem. Uh, and rather than just saying like, oh, it's, you know, it's in America today, but there's this really great city over there, which didn't feel authentic. We felt it would be easier for it to exist somewhere else. Uh, and then part of it too was because we want, the laws of this universe are a little different. Um, there's an element to it that I want to sort of speak too directly to um, that exists kind of in the fabric of the universe that we didn't want to say like Radiant Black and Rogue Sun and Dead Lucky all have to operate by those rules. And we didn't want to have to, have to have them to react to the fact that a whole city gets ripped out of existence. Um, so we found it a little easier to sort of like set it just over here in another universe. But there is also another element to it that will come into play later, which is that the idea of different universes is going to be part of Infernoga Red uh, as a whole. So even if the massiverse was a consideration, it would still be important that uh, there was a multiversal element to it. Awesome. Do you have a name for your universe? No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call it the Inferno Go Red universe for the moment. I like, um, I like it. I worry about overwhelming people with terminology. <laughs> True. Once you throw Cassie's in like... universe. There you go. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, now, since we're on the topic, uh, one of our uh, listeners and you know members of the community, Owen, we we love him. He submitted an awesome question that I feel is the appropriate time to ask now. So he said, mm -hmm. "Yeah, he said." I remember initially. I, I remember these fond days. Uh, you know, uh, when the book was advertised in Radiant Black One as Dragon Girl Red, and that uh, mm -hmm. Rico Renzi was the original artist uh, colorist. Sorry, before Igor Monti came in. And his question is, why did those changes occur? You know, I can't say for reasons that I can't say. Um, well, I mean, w w with Rico, I think it was purely just, we're in the, the early stages of putting the book together and figuring things out. Um, and yeah, tried some stuff with Rico and it was great. Uh, like Rico's work was really stunning but it also just wasn't quite the right fit for that. It wasn't quite the right fit with Erica. Um, and so we were still just like looking at, at different options there. Um, but like Rico to Rico's credit was like an absolute gentleman about it and was fantastic to work with. And I would absolutely work with him again. Um, but just, you know, when you're in those early stages, you're trying to find the right fit. Um, the name change was a few different things, some of which I can't get into, but um I think we're happy with where we ended up, I guess, is yeah. all I can say to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, really rolls off the tongue. No, I just, no. New name, definitely like it a lot. And awesome. um, actually, go, going back a little bit um, to kind of like how you wanted to separate your universe a little bit from the massive Earth. Um, mm. I had a question, like just going through this book, seeing all this new crazy, uh, just kind of new crazy technology. Like we had some phones, like seeing the street signs, like crazy windmills, all the infrastructure and all just, yeah, all just crazy. The clothing, everything was just so 
so unique to this world and it was just mm. it was amazing to look at with the colors especially um but i was just wondering is that kind of like is that a writer's job to do that um or is that kind of like erica kind of making that up like how much is that you versus like the artists kind of making that stuff I definitely lay most of the credit of it being like actualized at Erica's feet. Um, but especially on a book like this, uh, I mean, there's a reason that we've been putting Erica's name before mine in the credits. Like she's the co-creator, like we're making this together. And it was just a lot of conversations back and forth about what we're trying to create and why. And with Apex, like we, we wanted to to make Apex City feel like, a place that you really wanted to go and it had a lot of hope and optimism, um, both because it's cool. Like it just looks cool and that's its own goal. Uh, but also because we wanted Cassia to, to be someone who has had no real luck in her life. Things have never really gone her way. She's always been on the back foot. And then finally she gets this chance and it's like larger than life and it's incredible and it's all she's ever wanted. And then, it's taken away and it looks like everything's going to crumble. And the, like, the higher you go, the more it hurts when it's taken. Um, but in terms of, of creating the specifics of that, it's just Eric and I talking about what we're trying to achieve and then us putting like literally Pinterest boards together of references of like less this, more this, less that, more that, and honing in on this feel. And then uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how the city works um, and how like because it's like it's literally shunted off into the darkness away from the universe how is it sustaining itself um how does a city like that manage a population like that without any sort of like external influences and yeah then erica just starts designing and it all comes to life and even like the people and the fashion like erica's got such a uh, an amazing eye for this stuff and is really intent on everyone feeling unique and and what they're saying what sorry what they're wearing and how they look saying something about them um and i think that's why i'm just like so over the moon to be working with erica on this because she can do action in a way that's so powerful and immediate and compelling but it can just be two people sitting together and talking and it's gripping because of how much emphasis she puts into like the facial acting and their clothes and their setting yeah she's just she's such a gun um so all credit to her for how well that's all come together yeah no truly truly i felt like harriet was like my friend when like in those times when, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when cassia needed her you know i felt like that's how it was so it was so well conveyed and well done um yeah yeah matt you have a question go ahead I was, no, I don't really have a question, but I was going to say, like, uh, Cash's mom, Anna, already, she's already taking, uh, Mr. Burnett's, like, trophy as, like, best parent in the most massive verse for me. Like, the, the wisdom, like, I find when you write a good parent, you can tell it's usually by people that have had a great parent that have instilled that wisdom in them or they have a great circle of friends. Like, I just love the way you portray Cassia and the way you tackle journalism, where this was a journalist who we've seen journalists in comics before, but the way that she's just telling her story and everyone thinks she's crazy just for, telling trying to report the news and how difficult it can be to really report what you see and what you hear i just really love that and um no i just wanted to emphasize that i don't have a question right now thank you oh. I, I really appreciate that i think um uh, yeah having a parent child relationship or a parent teen relationship in a book like this and having a different spin on it was important to me because uh, i think we've done the like 
uh, like they're a good parent, but I have to keep my secret identity from them for X reasons, or like they're a terrible parent and I need to sort of get out from underneath them. I wanted to have like try in some ways like model a good like pet, like mother daughter relationship and have Anna be meaningfully part of the story. Um, but I also like I, I agree. I think Anna's a great person and her sense of optimism and her like talent is is huge and she brings a lot to Cassie's life but also she's not perfect and I think in some ways Anna's intense belief and Cassie's intense skepticism they're both not in the right place in the spectrum and I think it gets them both into trouble in different ways and it has consequences for them and I think that's something that we'll probably get into a little bit more moving forward that like as much as they have a great relationship and I'm so proud that that's come through, either of them are perfect people um, and they're both going to have to deal with the consequences of who the other person is and, and what that means for them. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I know for me, for me personally, like the first thing I noticed about the character design and one thing that's very prominent on the character um, for me personally, having like, I have Vitilago myself um, is the mark on Cassia's mm-hmm. face um, yeah. on the eye. Um, so that was that was just really cool to see because um, I think like there's barely any any characters like you see like comic characters that actually have it or even like people who don't have it sometimes not prominent. Like it's very just random. Like it's just yeah. comes where it comes. Right. Um, so I just I wanted to like I was wondering like do you do you know someone who had it or what was kind of the inspiration behind that or whose choice was that? Was that Erica or what kind of one? Yeah. I mean, um, when Erica was designing characters, I think almost kind of famously, and you can see the evidence of this in, in the hardcover, the costume designed for IGR was tough to crack. It took us a while, um, which is not at all like to, to, um, like uh, Erica making some mistakes at all. Like she was, yeah. all the designs were great. We just had trouble dialing in exactly what we wanted. With Cassia, Erica sent through three different designs of three very different looking people. Uh, and I looked at one and I was like, oh shit, that's Cassia. That's so weird. Like I didn't really even have a specific mental picture. But I was like, there she is. How is she just, how is she real on the page? Um, and Erica said, oh, I'm so glad because that's the one I felt. And I just put two others in there because I thought I should provide options. Um, but yeah, Erica just drew that particular design of Cassia that way. And I, I think as much as it wasn't intentional on my end, um, from the start, it felt right to me in the same way, like making Cassia a girl and making her a person of color I didn't want to write a story about, you know, a straight white guy who's always on the back foot and is not, you know, privileged, et cetera, et cetera, because that didn't feel very authentic. Um, In the same way, it's just another small element of, like, Cassia's had to deal with some stuff in her life, and it never comes up in the book. She never says, like, I'm angry at having to deal with this, but it's just another small thing in, in the undercurrent of, like she's had to overcome yeah. prejudice big and small in her life. She's had to overcome hard circumstances. And in some ways that's like steeled who she is and to get some strength from that. But she also has this like, you know, a, a bit of crust of cynicism that can get in her own way from that as well. So to me, it was just like another little detail that further cemented 
who Cassia was and helped sort of like crystallize my understanding. Oh, that's awesome. No, I, lo- I love, like, I was impressed with, like, even how, like, consistent Erica drew it. Like, even, like, when, like, Cassia is, like, small, like, you still, like, see the prominent parts of it. Like, I, I was just, no, I'm just blown blown away again with the with the art. And even, like, no, just the relationships, like Matt was saying, like, just the way you really, like, brought together these characters and relationships. Like, I, it just, it made me just fall in love with her from page one. And, yeah, hopefully. Awesome in the future and i guess supermassive too can uh see some more of that hopefully who knows what will happen who knows who knows i do want to say like i do appreciate how you like her vitiligo it's not i'm sure a lot of people with these conditions don't want it to be acknowledged like, oh you've got blank it's like it's just yeah. you're a part yeah. of society right it's just yeah you know and it adds to her character without having to be her entire being which i really appreciate that and you you did nail the dynamics of like teenagers talking. And I know that gets difficult. Even when I first heard the term lit a few years ago, I was like, what's going on? How are they talking now? And so, and so you really managed to nail it though. I did think they were a lot more kindhearted than the 20 year olds I've been around, but yeah, I think you nailed the way. Dylan. <coughs> Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. We'll leave it to Ryan, but uh, Matt, how do you do it? How do you narrow it down and manage to get this uh, authentic teenage dialogue? Um, I mean, I think in some ways, the you can go furthest off the track by trying to write teenagers you know what i mean like they're people uh and in all of the important ways they're just gonna talk like people doing people things um i think it has helped uh up until like weeks ago really i had a day job where i was working in a creative agency um and we had like junior um creatives there who were just like fresh out of university or even like interns of the interns at university and then moving into the organization and uh they were like way too cool and i don't mean that in the like stylish and although they were but cool in the like just so down to earth and accepting and grounded in a way that I know I wasn't at that age and I know no, like nobody I knew I maybe was just hanging out with the wrong crowd or something, but um, just like deeply authentic people. And I think knowing them helped a bit. Uh, and the other element is that um, Erica will deny it, but she has incredible taste and incredible fashion sense as incredibly, I feel like connected to what's happening culturally in the world of the youth. Um, so we can have Harriet who part of her deal is that like every scene, she's in a entirely new outfit that looks incredible in a totally different way. And each look is just like iconic in its own way. Um, And I would not write something like that into the script because I know that if I had to suggest outfits, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, (laughs) But when Eric and I were talking about Harriet, like right back at the start of the conception, she's like, yeah, well, like she's a very, open flexible explorative person and she's that's gonna come through in the fashion i was like great if you could if you think you can handle that i have all faith and and she did that's awesome i i one thing i i wanted to ask about is how did you meet erica and igor we i mean something that a lot of people don't no, and can surprise people, which I understand, is that Radiant Black and Inferno Girl Red started 
their lives, not together in the sense that Kyle and I were working on them together, but about the same time. Um, they were sort of like being co-developed. But one of the great challenges I had was finding an artist. Um, I was like committed to finding a female artist or at least a not a male artist uh, because I knew that I on my own wasn't going to be able to sort of like tell that story authentically. I wanted to partner with um, a female artist and finding the right person was so difficult. Um, there, I, I have um, some pages from other artists who tried those five pre preview pages that were from the Kickstarter and they were all like great in different ways, but none of them were quite right. Um, and we actually w was working with one in particular and it, we, you know, I thought we were going to go ahead and then they dropped out. Uh, and then from that point on, trying to find someone else uh, was like nine months or something. It was just not working out for us. And it was just, I was going through every Twitter artist hashtag you could imagine. I was like searching for uh, like databases of portfolios, literally weeks and weeks on, on end searching for art, uh, asking everyone we knew. Kyle obviously goes to a lot of conventions, was like scouting convention floors, asking people uh, at conventions if they knew anybody. And then it was just that process of asking, hey, do you know anyone? Um, I think, oh, I feel so bad. I've got to double check this. I think it was Daniele. But one of the Italian artists that we work with was like, oh, what about Erica? And I found her work and straight away I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and then she started drawing pages and her pages were even better than the samples and stuff that I had seen. And um, yeah, we just fell in love. Um, I'm not even exactly sure. I assume Michael or Kyle had, I think, because we were broadly familiar with, with his work from that Mega Man uh, Boom series that he did, which it was just one of those things. You see the colors on that and you're like, you know, like it's arresting. Whoa, no one's doing that. No one's doing that at all. Uh, and which is what we wanted. Every aspect of this book is like, push the medium, like push it forward. What could superheroes be in the future? And of course that's what we're all trying to do in the Massiverse. So I think when whoever of us in the group saw that, it was like bookmark in the head of like Massiverse, that's the sort of person we want. And then this was the opportunity and um, he did some tests and like blew it out of the water. And he's so dedicated. I can't even tell you how many times we'll get a page and we'd be like, oh, great. This finished page looks absolutely amazing. And he's like, oh, hmm, I'm not happy with it. And then three days later, we'll come back with a whole other version that we're just like, in like he's use of lighting and color. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nuts. Uh -huh. That guy is yeah. a machine. And I think Infotico Red in particular is going to be a, a real showcase for him of like, yeah, look at what this guy can yeah. do. Uh, he's so, a, he's a madman for sure. Like, he's what, like, I don't. Yeah. One uh, thing I have a question about is, in terms of uh, Erica and and Igor, so considering I, I heard like Michael say one time jokingly that it's a miracle that any comic book gets made every month, <laughs> you know, in the process and everything. And I'm sure I'm sure yeah. there's like a lot of truth to that. I've heard just so many different things from you know people in the industry, people outside the industry. It's interesting. But my question to you is: Were there any like time barriers or knowing? Because you're knowing you guys are you know in Australia. And then mm -hmm. everyone else is in, I'm assuming Erica and Igor are in Italy. Are there, were there any time or language barriers in terms of working at first? 
Uh, not hugely. I'm pretty used to working outside of my time zone because like, you know, you and I, uh, we're, we're talking right now at quite different times. Uh, and Italy, interestingly, it changes throughout the year a little bit, but it's about 12 hours. So how it often works is we'll have a call either when I'm going to bed or when, when they're just about to go to bed and they're signing the day or vice versa. And we'll just kind of like swap in and out. Uh, so that works quite well. And then as for language barrier, this is like so much credit to Erica and I go like their English is great. It's like, it's not perfect, but uh, every now and then Erica will apologize. And I'll say like, you, your English is pretty good. My Italian is non-existent. So you're doing all of the work here. Don't apologize. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really just because of Erica and Igo's um, incredible bilingualism that this works at all. And we're, we're deeply appreciative for that because uh, I'm not smart enough to learn Italian, I think. <laughs> Me either. My my grandparents are Italian, and uh, all I know is Chocolati and Antonio, which was my nickname as a kid. It's just Chatterbox, and nothing's really changed. Ah! But yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I wish it was a joke. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> another question that we have is uh, a lot of the multiverse, uh, the multiverse, massiverse uh, books deal with specific themes. Rogue Sun pack has supernatural elements as well as being a teenager and dealing with that, and Rogue Sun dealing with being in your thirties and stuff like that. What uh, what themes and like what exact what's that niche? What's that area you really want to hit with Infernal Girl Red? There's one word that I would use that I, I might not because it's broadly you could say a spoiler, and it's kind of a keyword towards the end of book one. Um, but I think in terms of like larger themes, we we really wanted to make a book about being a teenager right now, and I think. That sounds straightforward because in some ways the superhero medium is built on the back of successful teenager superhero stories, right? Like Spider-Man was when everyone kind of went, oh yeah, all right, this is going to be huge forever. Um, but it it is very hard to do good teenage superheroes and there hasn't necessarily been a lot of them recently. Uh, and specifically we wanted to tell a, st a story about being a teenager now and how it feels like the world is crumbling and there's darkness coming in from all sides. But also we older people have this terrible habit of being, oh, don't worry, the young people are great. The young people are going to save us. They're so clever. They'll figure it out, which is a horrendous thing to put on a generation, to like screw them over and put them in the worst possible spot and then be like... We believe in you, you know? Um, so it's it's a book about that. Like, how do you have belief when there's no good reasons to have belief, knowing that having belief is the only thing that's going to get you onto that one tiny moonshot path of potential success? Uh, but then also, and this is something we'll explore a little bit more as we go on, how do you do that without having the, like, opposite danger of being lost to self-delusion? And believing so much that you disconnect from reality. Yeah. And because like I, I feel like mm -hmm. that's the path forward, right? Like we need to have a level of optimism and belief that in some way defies logic because like things don't look great and the a lot of things are going our way. So <laughs> yeah. like you've got to kind of believe against reason, but not to the point where you delude yourself and disconnect from reality. And that's like a perilous tightrope to walk, but 
you kind of don't have any other choice, um, especially uh, younger generations. So, yeah, that plus, you know, Tokusatsu, political drama, superheroes, uh, <laughs> no. if I go red. You did a great job with those themes. I got that across in the first uh, the first issues that we read, and like I thought you nailed it as well as even like in the class the teaching stuff, the placebo effect stuff. Like, yeah, I was, was I, awesome. didn't, I didn't sign up to go to Helis campus, but I was sure learning. Like that was really <laughs> good shit. I was I hooked. Learned. I was hooked in that class. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was into also, that I love no, that. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun chance to, um, you know, you never want to like lecture people, but you can learn stuff. Um, you know, yeah. book. and like those studies are real. There's some stuff that we just like, we don't really understand. And I'm sure I've misinterpreted some stuff because I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified, but um, yeah, there, there are interesting science-based reasons to believe that belief is important, you know? And, and that's not like, obviously we are um, bringing that through, through the fantastic lens and, and this is fictional, um, yeah. but yeah, it was an important part of the book, and I wanted to make sure it was grounded uh, in some ways so that it felt like something that could be meaningful and not just like escapism. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's awesome. And um, actually, um, are, are we allowed to talk about like a little spoilers from the first book a little bit here? Or guess, that would or depend what, what? on the. Oh, depend. What is, what is... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if okay. you're, what are you like thinking? the first like 20 pages or something like oh, I, yeah. I, I, oh I, like, I think that's I, fine I, I, yeah okay I, I think it was from the yeah. preview too like like just seeing like the first preview of the floating city we see apex yeah. the floating city and i guess like i should have had that in my head that something like like i don't know how it would have got there but seeing those previews were incredible but when this moment happened in the book where it's just freaking rips out of the earth and splits away i I was just like, what the heck? Like I was, I was mind blown. Like it, it was, it was absolutely insane. Um, and I was just wondering, like, was that kind of like a starting concept? Like you came up with from the start or like, when did that come into play? And when did you initially think of that kind of idea? Yeah, it was very, very early uh, in the conception of it when I was first figuring out what this book is at all. Because um, in some ways that's the like, most direct literalization of the idea of like, you've got a pocket of hope, but there's darkness pressing in from all sides and there's no way you can go. Like you are surrounded and it's pressing in. Um, so that, that was a huge part of it very much from the start. And we had some early talks, um, you know, like with Michael and Kyle and the other sort of massive people when we're all just sort of like spitballing being like, there's a big thing to do early. Like, should that be saved for later? Are you sure you want to like play that card right now? But it was important to me that we we got right to that because it is the heart of the book. And I think it set the emotional and physical stakes really immediately. Um, yeah. So it, it was always part of it. My only like real fear was when writing it, how to show that. And it, it, at yeah. a certain point, I just had to be like, I'm sorry, Erica, but it's a whole city and it's being ripped out of existence and thrown into the darkness. And you're going to have to show a yeah. whole city on planet Earth. And then you're going to have to show it being like, like, you know, blasted <laughs> away the remnants. Uh -huh. So we really understand. And then it like it floating. 
it was so much work uh, and there was just no way around it. And I just had to hope that Erica was up to it and she, she killed it. Oh, um, oh but yeah. Was... I, I will never, ever underestimate or not appreciate the tremendous amount of work. I think that might be the biggest thing I've ever asked of an artist and likely will be for a long time of like a, a challenge for them to tackle both in how to frame it and also just like line work, you know, like physical labor in um, bringing that to life. Yeah. Erica should be a household name after this book. hundred percent. Like, yeah. I sure it. hope so. I yeah. sure hope so. Yeah. Prettiest book I've read in a long, maybe it is one of the best looking books I've ever read. Like straight a hundred percent. Like I can't really think of what matches with it. Like the, everyone's working on all cylinders. Like I, I'm not even embellishing anything. And that's my favorite book to talk about is one that I don't have to embellish. So I, thought yeah, was... I appreciate that. Thank you. It, it, it's not easy for me to say it's the best art in the massive verse because we've gotten so much good art. Like we've gotten yeah, so much yeah. Art. I mean, it's oh, like the best yeah. but, but, but it, kind of lot. But it's the best art in the massive verse. Sorry, Kyle. Sorry, uh, sorry, myself. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, hey, it's no, really. It's... You know, it's fantastic. I'm. I'm actually like giddy because I'm. I'm I can't wait to read the physical uh, books, but I'm also like super excited for everybody to read it and start talking about it because I know. I know a lot of people were like loved casted just from the impressions they got during Supermassive, and I yeah. think I think that's that helped a lot of with a lot of what you were talking about earlier in terms of like thrusting them into that. I think just having some sort of familiarity with Cassie already, like yeah. we already know what she's like, but here you we really delved into her her personality, her background, and it was a lot deeper. But yeah, no, I, I, I it was just incredible and. It's I I think there's gonna be like a lot of Cassia fans like after this a lot. Oh, a lot, oh yeah, like Jeez. it's gonna be and all I the characters can't. honestly like Har Harriet's such a such a great uh, character as well. Right. And I don't wanna I don't wanna get too much into it, but Griffin is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Man, I, I gotta tell you, I do love <laughs> writing the Griffin, probably in a way that's like it doesn't reflect the best on me how easily that stuff comes out it's yeah. just like yeah, that's, fair. that's uh, awesome yeah yeah i'm excited oh, for people to get to the griffin too that that'll be i think probably like february for people reading in singles i'll have to wait a little bit but um i do like when the griffin enters the story he comes in like a freight train um mm. he's not a guy who like we like slowly build up it's just like bam here he is damn um, yeah yeah and then, like, I guess this, this comes back to what we're talking a little bit before about format. I was so excited by the opportunity afforded to us for fight scenes by doing it this way. Because in what will be issue three for people reading singles, or it's just like the end of the book for people reading the whole book, we got to do a fight scene between Infernal Red and the Griffin. And I think it's like a spoiler to say that it's a big fight at the end. That's often how these things work. Um, but it's like 18 pages long, depending on how you count. And in other, like in typical single issue comics, that'd be like an issue and you'd have to do other stuff. So I don't even know you could really do that, but we were able to just like really go for it. And giving that kind of runway to Erica and Igor is always going to have good results. Like they will use yeah. that to give you something just that, fucking wrong the splash pages man on the book and i'm not gonna say where anyway ever there's so yeah. many of them we yeah. i was making a joke like uh, early on i don't think this is a spoiler because i'm gonna be very vague 
but like mm. very early on in the book, like the first three pages, right as uh, you you the opening scene with the characters in the monorail, there's a creature mm -hmm. that comes crashing in. And I made mm -hmm. a joke with, with everyone right before you joined. I was like, this is Fifty Shades of Blue and Ego's just showing off because like, look at the range, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's, what? Yeah. every page he's showing off yeah. every like, every yeah. page like genuinely yeah. so <laughs> I, i'm just mind blown by how incredible this page. i want to also say I, I, this kind of spoiler too anyway, i guess the the way you guys handle legacy in this book i, I guess I'll be yes yes is, is incredible like truly you guys went all out yeah. you didn't like it, it, you didn't hold out on, on how you did that and i, I love that there's it there's like a very thing there's this thing you know that that's about that early on in the story so if you're going to read book one like next week you'll see this and my god yeah. like wow wow i think thank you <laughs> i it, that's um something that's important to me and i take a lot of joy in when you're creating a universe uh, you know you don't want to create something that feels like it came into existence the page before page one you know um and Kyle and I had a lot of fun on that with the Ultraman series of series as well, where if you're creating a universe, that means you're creating a history and you get to like figure out what all of these events in history were. And some of them may come directly into play and you'll see them. Other things will probably just inform how a character's acting and what they're doing. But if you understand that history, then you feel that even if like you don't recognize it consciously as a reader, you understand that these are people with like weight and history and are making decisions for reasons you don't quite know because they've had other stuff going on in their lives. Um, so figuring out the history of this universe and of these characters and how they all relate was definitely part of the joy of it for me. Um, and yeah, we get to play with it into pretty fun and specific ways, which again, will only unfurl more as we move forward. That's awesome. Well, that's I have a quick stuff. question. Who designed the logo? As in the triangle with the dragon inside. You know, I don't know if I can say that. Um, <laughs> I know that's a weird answer. Um, hmm. Yeah, I may have to come back to you on that one because I think I can say uh, the we were working with several artists on Inferno Go Red. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But prior. And um, one of them came up with this design for the logo. And I just like, I loved it. And it was so representative. Uh, and I spoke to them and, you know, received permission and worked out a, a deal with them to use that. And they were super happy and supportive. So like, we're all good. I just don't know what their yeah, feelings sure. are about that um and that's like literally the only thing like erica didn't see anything else from that artist because we wanted to make sure that erica was entirely fresh and um yeah. that that inspiration was like you know her own and genuine and stuff like that but that was one element that we had that we sort of built around um mm -hmm. and it, it's just like it's so iconic i think and i'm a, a really big believer in having powerful symbolism um, because it links into my belief in the importance of design in the books. And that's why I'm so happy to be at image and I'm so happy working in the massive verse. Uh, and although Michael didn't do the key design on this series, it's been Michael's lead that has set the tone of how important design is on all of our series. And I think it's one of the things that's just like massively undervalued in the comic space 
Uh, not universally. There are some people out there doing incredible design work and there are some editors who really value it and some, some parts of companies that care about it. Uh, but to me, it's like, if you, if you're making a book, you should be making it as good as possible in every way. And design is one of those ways and it's a big way. Um, and yeah, I, it's very important to me to get that stuff right. And that, that was certainly part of that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That, that logo. Yeah. Like you said, just kind of like, just so recognizable right away. I know like right when I, I put down the book, I, I went right away and luckily we already have access to those beautiful shirts online. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, you can already get some Inferno Girl red shirts. There's three Absolutely. really, or I think four nice ones up there. But yeah. I just got the one with the logo and the Inferno Girl on the back, but yeah, no, those things are freaking sweet. So yeah, already Hell getting yeah. some cool add-ons to the series. Where can too. people find those? Awesome. Um, I think They're, that's black black market narrative, I believe. Yeah, the black market yeah, narrative threadless store, which I think might yeah. just be let me check black market narrative. No, sorry, just blackmarket.threadless.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, we're uh, always going to be looking at sort of like building that out. So, you know, we can't promise anything, obviously, but people have suggestions of like what they want to see on shirts. So, oh uh, yeah, I, no, I, I have a suggestion. Not not a shirt. Please, <laughs> the, the, the bracelet so I can. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah, we need that's, we such, need a, that. that's such a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's we need such that. A distinct... There's so many, there's so many like moves. I was like studying them, like, like, like I don't want to say them because they're going to be amazing for the people to experience. Yeah. But I was like, man, they really, they're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, I have a big love of Tokusatsu. Um, mm. And Erica also, but I think Erica and I go in particular anime. Um, we just like there's so much to learn from there and you, you never want to take it whole cloth you never want to just like rip stuff out without context but i think there's just so much to be learned from that space uh and i think there, there's a lot of stuff like there's definitely some common writer dna uh throughout this book and, and even some like yeah i don't want to spoil anything but what ways we treat the form um that is directly inspired by toku and yeah that was very important to me, both in terms of all that stuff, but also just like learning like narrative lessons from Japanese storytelling like that and being comfortable with endings and making superheroes that aren't just about defending the status quo. They have specific journeys and specific things they need to deal with. Um, so yeah, in that way, there's definitely a lot of that, that through there, but yeah, absolutely. Bracelet hundred percent. There's a few things that we're like, ah, we just got to find the right partner. Um, oh, but yeah, that's the benefit of being an image, right? Like if we find the right partner and we can make it feasible, we can make it happen. There's nothing. Yeah. Need one of those helmets one day. Yeah. There's so many, so yeah, many. They, they, they were there for the Kickstarter. Were they not the helmets for like the oh, those helmets, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 There's like, mm-hmm. there's like a few people I know. I know. I know Parker got one of them. So that's sick. Yeah. That's for, that's for yeah. So when I read an awesome book like this, there is a question that comes to mind. Will there be a book too? I yeah, I'm very comfortable saying I want there to be a book too. Um, in fact, I think I said it on another podcast recently, so I can mm. say it here. If I mm. were to take my webcam and point it that way, mm. you would see a big board full of scene cards of the outline of book two. Um, so I'm working on it. That isn't an announcement to say it's happening. Mm. There is a lot of different things that need to happen to make that feasible. Um, but it is our intention. We don't even know at this stage exactly how we're going to proceed forward because, as I said, we tried something weird with the format. 
Will that work out for us? We don't know. Will we have to try a different approach? We don't know. But we love this world. We love this story. Um, everyone who reads it seems to be really into it. And I think our only mm-hmm. challenge now is getting people to read it. So, yeah. I want to I wanna do more. I have big ideas. I have big plans. I know Erica's keen to do what we have planned next. I think Igor's the same. So he's okay. Would you yeah. kickstart it again or would you want to publish it for regular run? I have, I don't know. It, Kickstarter was difficult for us. Mm. Um, I mean, like hugely appreciative. The only reason the book exists is because of the Kickstarter. So many people came out and supported us and it was hugely helpful. Mm. Uh, but because of the delays we faced on the book, there were a, th- a few things like currency conversion and inflation mm. when moved over a year scale has a big impact on things um, yeah. and it hit us pretty hard in a few ways. And then because we were delayed, we had to move the shipping to uh, the printing to America so that we, w- we wouldn't be super far behind the image releases, which cost us more money. Um, all of which is to say, we just, we'd have to sit down and look at a bunch of different stuff and figure out what's feasible financially. But I, I would like to, I really liked mm. that feeling of, having the community come together the grassroots and support us and yeah, the great grassroots support and then being able to give people the thing early because of that. Uh, it feels good. It's just whether we can make it work is a, an open question at this stage. Yeah. Fair enough. And what yeah, I'd love I'd rather... to do. I, I don't know if this is feasible or even if this is what the people who backed the last Kickstarter would want, but I think there's a version of it where we, do book two, but also do a reprint of the book one hardcover so people who missed the first one could jump in as well. Yeah. Um, incredible. Yeah. yeah. That might make people who backed the first one feel like it's less special because, sure. you know, it's available yeah. again. We'd have to do a survey, but um, yeah, that's, we're, we're considering a bunch of different things. The hardcover was nice. All that info was really nice getting the, the insight on how the characters like evolved with all of your commentary on the side, like the Igor yeah. thing, just the thing that Igor said about how Inferno Girl Red is like all the letters of his name minus the O, I, G, R. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was it's cool. Like fate. Oh. It's meant to be. I mean, you're talking about belief. Absolutely. I, I believe you guys were meant to make yeah. a comic together. Like, whoa. 100%. They, they, just seeing the Eureka moment, because they actually, you guys, yeah, the back matter is incredible. And you you can literally see the Eureka moment when you guys nailed the design. It's it's incredible, too. Like, it's it, it really is, like, it hits so much better when you see it. You're like, wow, that's really Absolutely. went through a lot. Yeah. I have such appreciation for that stuff, and I love it myself. Uh, not to, like, I'm about to invoke the Beatles, and I don't want to say that, like, Inferno Droid is the Beatles because that's a big claim. But to me, it is like watching that um, Beatles documentary on Disney Plus where it's just that them like jamming together and they're just rolling cameras in the background. And you see Paul just sitting there, just like strumming at his guitar, not really sure what he's doing. He's finding something. And it's just like there's something a little familiar in what you're hearing. And it goes and then it comes and it goes and he gets a little closer. And at a certain point, you're like, shit, he's, he's writing Get Back right now just by like screwing around a little bit and he's just like he's searching and he's grabbing it from the ether and he's pulling it out and then within a few minutes it's like it's basically there and seeing that process happen is very cool and it's also like i appreciate seeing it because it makes me as a creative realize that everyone has to work for it you know um and there are times when it just comes like cassia's design which is amazing but um, I think it's it's more helpful in some ways to see people just like 
go over and over and over again and iterate and iterate trying to find it um, just to reassure people like this is sometimes just how it is and that doesn't mean the end product is like any better or worse it's just how it is sometimes mm. um and yeah I, I i love that stuff myself in fact just like big hard covers are my preferred way to read comics generally so i was pretty stoked we got to get to that nice and early yeah yeah that's uh, that's for delightful yeah yeah I, 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 that picture of erica that she sketched of herself thinking that's like that's like oh i love that stuff yeah. <laughs> that, that is the cutest thing and I, I don't know why that was like, I got an email one day with designs. It's just like JPEG attached these designs. And then in there is like little cartoon of Erica herself, like considering it's like, can they all have this? Is that an option? I know you're busy and we're on a tight schedule, but this would be additive to my personal experience. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you really yeah, that, felt like that, how earnest everyone is on the book, you know, the creators working oh, on it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that, like that a that big thing that, that links us uh, up is that we are all just pretty earnest, um, borderline corny, at least in my case, people. Uh, it's a very <laughs> sincere book, but in some ways it's kind of like what it's about, you know, so um, I think we're just the right that. people for that, for that job. But you've you made it as familiar as Lockport. I feel like that's such a huge accomplishment. For me, at least, I feel like mm. Apex, man, like that first moment when you look at it, like the, I'll explain to you how I felt is like when you're playing a Pokemon game and you see the city for the first time and it's like yeah. shining, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. my God. Or when you see Metropolis City <laughs> for the first time, yeah. you know, like when you see Metropolis, like that's how I felt when I saw Apex for that first image and the car driving and I was like, oh my God. And then you get to the back of the book and there's like... They even show you like the campus and the details, and um, man, I, I love that. I, it's so, uh, you guys, you guys did such a good job. Who came Thank up you. with that game in the back? I love that too. <laughs> that was me. That was you. Uh, uh, that, that was that. Uh, yeah, I find that deeply funny because you know it's. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's a scene in the book that takes place at a sport field, and okay. it's a big action scene. The sport being played there thoroughly unimportant does not affect the scene at all um but i i just was in, in that particular moment in time got into my head like well it's another universe it's another city like what why make it just baseball let's just like well let's make a sport like great idea yeah. matt um so i was like all right let's do it and then as i started putting it together i'm like well gotta make sure this really works so like i came up with all of these rules and then i figured well it's hard to explain so people want to see it so I'm like, okay, I'll put together a 3D model. I don't 3D model things. So I downloaded like three or four different programs for 3D modeling, realized I was ill-equipped and could not use any of them, threw them all out. Eventually found it's like CAD for beginners or CAD for babies or something like children's CAD <laughs> that you can get online. And I got yeah. that. And yeah. after like a day of fumbling around with that, I managed to put together what I was looking for. Uh, but it was so much work. And it's so unimportant to this thing. But I, it's the sort of thing that I'm like, I thought it was cool. I think it's fun. I'm sure some of the people will as well. So let's put it in the back matter. I thought it was nice cool. Thing. I thought it was cool. So I'm on your side there. 
You got awesome. One. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody got some value out of it because it was days of there my life go. wasted otherwise. No, I, I was actually reading through the rules. Like <laughs> I was actually interested in this. No, that was that was awesome for sure. That's, That's the awesome. above and beyond you're talking about, though. You're going to make this game in this. You're doing 3D modeling. You're not a 3D modeler. You know what I mean? Like you're going on your That's way it. to do these things that you know <laughs> Charlie's going to look at and like people appreciate that really love it. The the Kickstarter yeah. fans, they're still look. I'm sure they know the rules. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's that kind of stuff. That love and that passion doesn't go away. That Tolkien esque kind of like love for your craft where you're doing the leaf by niggle like making sure everything is perfect every brush stroke to get this like you know fleshed out world that's how we get this entertainment that becomes as much a part of our life as anything you know it's it's really impressive and it's that kind of yeah yeah i appreciate that and i think too one of the things i'm very conscious of uh is when you're committed to something big like this you don't know where what like you know i have an idea of where we're going but you don't know where the specific terms are going to take you and you want to try and build out everything at least a few layers beyond what you actually need because there may be a time when you take an unexpected turn and you don't want there to just be like shallowness you want everything to be robust and to be able to, to support a world and support a story or you know if we decide stories or like whatever may come the more robust it is the better so in some ways like yeah that is why i, I do find it good to really figure out much more than you need figured out because you don't know when that's going to change later exactly so for sure uh so we have this arc for cassia and she she's confirmed to be in supermassive too right right no, she's not is that the thing she's not <laughs> she's not really? she's not you yet tried, you tried she's to not. sneak a confirmation out of it, I, I, he I, was I, like, I, nah, I put it out earlier uh, i thought so too but no we'll wait and see like, like, you're, not, you're not gonna get it out that easy no. I, I look nothing nothing is confirmed for supermassive <laughs> oh. um and I can promise you, like is super massive confirmed. I guess it. Look, oh, I can tell you, it's called super massive. Okay. Watch this okay. be like, that's like a, this is like a fourth dimensional mind fuck where there's gonna be like a new <laughs> character called nothing in super massive. <laughs> like, that's the kind of shit you guys have been doing to us, man. I, yeah. I remember asking Kyle, I was like, who is that like cutout? And he's like, oh, that's no one. And I, and I just turned to these guys like that. That he's probably for real, right? Like he's probably like that. He means that's no one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. Yeah, we said last time if we do another Sorry. one, it's going to be different. And mm. it may feature some characters that returning, it may feature some new ones, like some might yeah. not come back. It's going to be a different form. And that is true. Uh, so right. you'll get a little bit more idea of what's going on when this list has come out in a little bit, but cross-dimensional um, Sinister Six confirmed. It's like Lord Viathan, Griffin. They're gonna bring them all together. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Anyway. You like there, There's gonna be there are some couples in there. He's like all I will say. Like we we're uh, we're shaking things up. Oh, knowing yeah. you guys, I, I would expect nothing less, honestly. And when they say you're shaking things up, like mm -hmm. it's uh, everything shaking up. It's like shake it big. Like we don't even know what's happening. We don't know what serious this is. You know, we, we only this... we can only shake things up. That's our only mode in this world. <laughs> There's just We're two things I, I want to say. One thing is real quick. I really hope one day, just just to like a fun homage to self-made, because just this that the cover of self-made one lends itself so well to this idea. But self-made one, I love the cover. If you've read the the book, you know the cover. There's the hand coming out of the little portal, and, and she's reaching up. So I feel like that would be like the perfect opportunity for a future Radiant Black issue to homage that cover with like Marshall mm. reaching up, and, and you know Eva just like stretching out her hand down. I don't know. I think that'd be a fun little thing. Kyle, Kyle, 
Um, I'll, I'll, but, I'll speak to Michael. No one will yeah. get that, but I. But yeah. we, we will. That's all that matters. We will we'll get that. Yeah. But um, the other thing is, and this is maybe a slight tangent, but I really want to. I really want to know this because I, I hear like it come up in a lot of interviews, and like it's come up before. When we've been talking to you, uh, it came up, you know, and, and other pods I've heard. But how did you? I know you. You've known Michael for a long time. How, how did you meet yeah. Michael? We went to university together. Um, oh, wow. and, Wow. Yeah. And it was like, we didn't, not at the start. Um, I moved around universities a little bit, trying to figure out what I was doing. Uh, and at one in particular, Michael was studying design, um, which took, I was studying journalism, which did not. Uh, but we both took a screenwriting class together um, with a professor who spent the whole semester having us read his screenplay, which was about a <laughs> goth girl who saved a power plant with the power of cricket. Um, it was not interesting. Good. interesting. But, you know, we bonded. It's interesting. We actually had uh, a mutual friend that I went to high school with who was doing, desi doing the design course and knew Michael. And she was saying like, oh, you should meet this Michael guy. Like, he's really cool. He's really into comics. You'll get along. And I think especially at that age, I sometimes had this like, you know, that's not necessarily, that doesn't mean you'll get along. So yeah. I was, <laughs> was a little skeptical. Uh, unfortunately, she was right. We did get along very well. Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> just like, I, you know, she, I, don't, I don't want it to go to her head. Um, but yes, we got along very well. And yeah, we, uh, we were only at, the same place for like a year and that was the only class we ever took together um yeah we got along like a house on fire and created a podcast together and uh both entered comics and here we are yeah i mean it's it's inspiration honestly i i see like i know you guys both are hosts on the range of danger podcast and Man, Michael's done 715 episodes and Matt's done 596 episodes. <laughs> like, well, like that's that, a lot of podcasts. That's an accomplishment yeah, alone. Yeah, like, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're close on that 600, man. Congratulations. I think that might Is that counting all of because we did some like future episodes as well as some like specials. I think I'm not sure. I this is definitely a Michael question, but I think counting everything we're somewhere in the realm of a thousand episodes. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of power. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of power. That's awesome. That's incredible. That, that truly, yeah. That's a service to the power Rangers fandom and lore. If you, if you really think about it, I mean, you guys are like a living, uh, a living. <laughs> <laughs> like we, well, we know a lot. We have criticized a lot, um, but you know, with love. Uh, yeah. I don't think I could be doing it that long if I didn't love Power Rangers in some way. And, you know, it like, it's what connected me to Kyle and it's the, it's like the thread of the massive verse in some ways, because, you know, myself, Kyle, Ryan and Melissa, uh, all either have written Power Rangers or are currently writing Power Rangers in Melissa's case. Um, so it's, yeah, it's our binding thread in a lot of ways. So I am very grateful for it, even if it is, often quite bad. 
that is, that is incredible. As, and before before we close, there, I have two last questions. The first one is, is there anything specific that you would want the reader to take away from Inferno Gold Red? I think you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but I thought I'd ask anyway. I'm not sure if this is like totally answers the question, but like my dream is that people read the book and are like, ah, oh, you know what? My like 13 year old cousin would love this. I'm just going to hand it over to them and see if, if they'll get into it and it will be their, like their lead into the world of comics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that I think there's themes of belief in the book that are pretty self evident. And I, can't imagine anyone reading the book couldn't take that away from it, whether they take it to heart or not is up to them. But um, so yeah, I think there's that obvious part, but yeah, I would just, I'd love for this to become something accessible or something that you can share with your family um, or like just use it to connect with someone younger in your family, perhaps would, would be ideal for me. Yeah. Nice. I feel and... like it's as shareable as an appetizer and as, as filling as an entree <laughs> really. It's it, like, no joke. Like it, it's, for that and I, it, I did read it and think of it like this is the perfect for people in age group nieces nephews or whatever who are into an engaging superhero that's not like tethered to these giant universes with like 80 years of history and stuff like that it's just like boom yeah i can read this and it's I overwhelming think it's right yeah my sister is 12 yeah. and she's turning i think 13 in february i'm very excited to i'm gonna give her this book and i think she'll she'll really dig it i would yeah. love that word, word of mouth is the best promotion right like, yeah that's, and, and good <laughs> stuff travels Good stuff travels for sure. No, yeah. it's, uh... So, you know, Matt Groom, innovator of a lot, you know, just co-creator of Inferno Goed, which we just discussed for an hour. You go check it out, please. It's incredible. It's fucking incredible, actually. But, uh, you know, obviously, when we're talking about your innovations, we have to ask about one of your most spectacular innovations is how did you come up with the incredible title of uh, Mr. Massiverse? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, the truth is that I have a long and storied history of creating names for Michael that he hates. Uh, in fact, that's the driving motivation. Um, and listen, I don't know if this is true. Michael's brain is wired differently to most in the way that we're all different. Uh, and, and Michael will say that he doesn't get anything from praise. He doesn't need validation of any sort. Um, so he's very bad at crediting himself. Um, mm. So Mr. Massiverse was my way of <laughs> like forcing <laughs> credit yeah. upon him entirely unwanted. Uh, but like he does deserve it. He mm. works oh, frankly yeah. far oh, too yeah. hard, yeah. Oh, yeah. like problematically hard. Um, but like binds us all together and makes this this crazy initiative work in ways that are obvious to the public and in ways that aren't. Um, mm. And like it, Kyle is a huge part of this and was obviously first out of the gate and connects people um, and, you know, has incredible abilities to get things moving. Um, but I, it is important to me that it's recognized how much Michael, you know, is a, is the binding thread and, pulls everyone together and um he's kind of the heart of the team even if he mm. hates it that i <laughs> pointed out <laughs> so, okay and my, my my final question before we close here is 
I look, you know, one thing that we talked about earlier is like we feel how earnest you guys are when you create this book. Mm. It's obvious that you guys are fans of the medium. Like, not just obvious. It's like you're not just, like I look behind you. I see a shelf. Like, you know, you're just like one of us, basically. It's got a podcast with freaking a thousand yeah. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I, for, so from that perspective, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're, you're a writer. Obviously, you're mm. a creator. You've done you've done and now and now like full time. So congratulations. Um I wanted to ask you as a reader, as a fan, what are some things that you've really enjoyed this year? Uh, 2022. Sorry, that's what I meant. But like, you know, last year, I guess. But yeah. Well, um, what one of the benefits of quitting my day job has been being able to take days off and pick up hobbies, which was just not really on the cards previously. Uh, and I have very recently and very amateurly gotten into Gumpla recently. Um, and because of that, I've like just very slowly dipping my toes into the world of Gundam. Uh, and I started with the, um, Gundam like origin miniseries, which is like a prequel to the original, which I think was actually a bad place to start. I don't know that I would recommend it because it's pretty lore dense, uh, but I'm loving it. Like I'm all in on Gundam at the moment. So yeah, that's, that's the new thing at the moment for me. It's tremendous fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing Matt. Thank you so much for, first of all, for this amazing book, for giving us the opportunity to read it. Um, I can't wait to, to grab my physical copies this Wednesday. I'm going to be trying. Fuck you guys. I'm going to be going for all the variants. <laughs> you better not, you better oh, not yeah. be in my, near me. I'm, I'm going for so all many, the, so all many the, amazing yeah. ones. Like, the one, the hard to choose. Black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, the Carlini, so you guys got us. Like I, you got me. I'm going to get all of them. So uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. Please check out uh, Inferno Girl Red. And um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me and like just like aside me being here thanks for what you guys do like it's you know as you're saying word of mouth is the only reason this stuff in particular works we don't have a corporate machine behind us it's just passionate people and like you guys doing this podcast the community the discord it's what keeps us going and gives us life and makes us feel better when it's like 3am and we're struggling with print materials or whatever. <laughs> um, we, we just could not be here without you. So thank you so much. Thank uh, you. That means so much. Man, we love that. comics so much and uh, I sure. hope like that's reflected. Yeah. Cause you gave man i just i'm so i i'm part of me is like so giddy for people to i just want to see people like read in vertical red and, and i know the discord right? <laughs> yeah like i know how you feel right because like you're just like you've been waiting years you're just like oh we're so like parents and chris this morning yeah yeah, yeah. when yeah. i read it i'm just like now i know why it's you know why it's yeah. been so long we've been, we've been, the kickstarters must have been like their minds must have been blown when you know when they got the hardcovers because my god damn it's beautiful i can't even imagine is that i just want to ask real quick is that the hardcover behind you in the that is the hardcover yeah, yeah it's beautiful yeah. yeah so it's just huge as well anyways yeah guys please check out inferno girl red thank you so much for joining us today matt groom and uh we'll Thanks see everyone next time stay radio yeah.